0: Active of the sheep embodies some of the, uh, uh, the the conflict in the Advent season of this tension uh, she owns shoes just to be really clear uh, like a lot of them she loves shoes she wants high heels she wants sparkly ones she wants ballet flats she wants pumps she wants uh, every Cinderella shoe there is literally we got back from West Virginia yesterday on a quick one-day trip and we asked her to take all her shoes that she had left in the car and there were seven pairs. Seven pair in my car, and yet most of you think this child does not own a pair. Marcy is up here dying laughing because this sheep has just burst up here with no shoes. (laughs) Much like uh, this Advent season, where we we sit in this weird tension of uh, Christmas trees and penance. In the season of Christmans and uh, longing, Uh, the season of um, of joy and excitement. and reflection on death and judgment. Um, we often uh, miss that little Parker owns shoes because she's always barefooted. <laughs> uh, we often miss Advent uh, for the, the rush to Christmas. Um, and I think we do it a disservice to ourselves and to our discipleship and to, to really who we are supposed to be as the church. Uh, Advent Uh, begins our Christian year for a reason, because uh, without this longing for Christ, it's a story that makes no sense. Uh, We have to set ourselves back in Israel's uh, kind of landscape and look at what they're longing for. It's why the Gospels uh, root us in these beginning stories, what what was happening and what was going on. Uh, And and, uh, in the lectionary, we always come back to this Mark passage, the story of John the Baptist and how he is setting the stage for Jesus's arrival uh, Mark's gospel in particular doesn't waste time with, um, you know, Jesus was going to be a baby and he was going to be born and there were angels and there were these things. He starts with John the Baptist in his 30s baptizing people in the wilderness and he starts with a very particular Greek phrase. "In uh, NRK. This is the Greek translation of what in Hebrew would have been uh, Bereshit, in the beginning, uh, calling his readers immediately back to the beginning of the true story the story of God's uh, grand creation and God's redemption of the world. And he calls them back uh, kind of to hear in this one little phrase uh, the whole of Israel's history. For just as God had begun creating, now God has begun a new good news. In well, This is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. In this one sentence, uh, Mark uh, announces a big thing that is happening with this John story. He, he lets us know that John is gonna bear witness to the good news of Jesus, this uh, name that we, uh, we, we spell Jesus, that is uh, Yeshua, it means God saves. He's making, uh, in this naming, the story that we hear played out in the Christmas play, uh, a declaration that this God of Israel is the God who saves. Jesus Christ, Christ or Messiah, Uh, makes a declaration that connects to the story of the prophets, that that this Jesus is the one that Israel had been longing for. Uh, When Harper uh, got us nice to the cricket sounds, he mentioned 400 years. For 400 years, Israel had been waiting for a Christ. This wasn't Jesus' last name, it was a title. It was a designator of who he was in relationship to God of Israel. He was the anointed one of Israel's hope. He was the one that they had been longing for. And he was finally the one who was actually the Christ that had been promised. But not only was he uh, Jesus, God who saves, not only was he the Messiah of Israel's hope, he is God's son. These uh, three designations bring together this picture of hope for a nation that is uh, borderline hopeless. Uh, we, we flip back to the prophets, and, and Mark does this in his gospel. Uh, as was told in the story of Isaiah, prepare a way, make straight a path in the wilderness. Israel had done this 400 years ago. They thought God had given up. Make a path straight, for the anointed one is coming. Declare it in the wilderness. And then they waited, and they waited, and they waited and they tried everything they could, and yet one empire after another toppled them. They tried to reform Israel through religious reforms, and and for all the bad news we get to the religious leaders, this was the administrative council of Israel trying their best to keep their version of the church from dying. God has not come back. Why we've been making paths straight for four hundred years, and God has not. God has not done the things he promised Abraham. So let's be better about following the law. If it's one thing not to work on on the Sabbath day, let's really clarify what it is not to work on Sabbath. So before we put this uh, on the flaws of the religious leaders, let's remember that they're the ones clinging to a hope that God was going to do what God said he would do. So many had just given up. He's forgotten about us. And so we have a group who is waiting who is longing for the Messiah of Israel's hope, who's longing for God's Son, who is longing for for the the very recognition that God will save. And Mark brings us just straight into John the Baptist. John is supposed to immediately connect for us uh, the Old Testament prophets. As soon as we see the stories of John, we are supposed to picture uh, uh, Elijah. We're supposed to picture uh, these kind of rough and tumble wilderness prophets who... uh, vows to serve the Lord in particular ways. We're supposed to picture him uh, with uh, the way they describe him, uh, like Elijah meets Samson. He's a Nazarite and a prophet, and he's here to declare that God is who God says he is, and God is doing what God had promised. John, or Mark, uh, doesn't let us linger in the infancy narratives. He jumps straight into, uh, John was baptizing in the wilderness, declaring Uh, repentance of sin but then he said one is coming after me whose shoes i am not worthy to tie i baptize with water but he baptizes with the spirit Uh, the the beautiful picture of mark's gospel is of course we're looking back to what's already happened right Uh, this is not the narration for the people on the scene this is the narration from the church uh, 30 to 70 years later he is bearing witness to what christ has done He's telling the story of what John had promised and what is come to fruition in Christ for the the magnificence of John, for what was clearly an incredible following. People are flocking to the wilderness for his baptism. For a ministry that surely any prophet of the day would have longed for and would have fought against the the vices of jealousy. For for all of that, John in his humility says, I'm not even worthy to get down and untie his sandals. Y'all are coming here for this very real baptism. But the one who's coming after me, he's gonna change your heart. This water, it rinses off some stuff on the outside, and it's, it's an important symbol. Hey hey folks, we, we recognize that you were doing this thing to, to kind of uh, declare publicly your allegiance with God. But let me tell you, the one who is coming is actually going to change you on the inside. This isn't just going to rinse off some outward mud. This is going to change who you are. Get ready. Mark's gospel goes on for the rest of the time to have one particular word that separates the major section. It's the word immediately. Uh, Immediately this happened. Immediately this happened. And Mark's gospel invites us into the immediacy of Advent. We don't get to sit and linger with uh, a multiple year children's narrative where we sit and think about uh, what is going on there. We get thrust into prepare the way for the one who changes hearts and lives. And the church has thought it important enough to preserve this text to invite us to be part of that. Last week, we were invited uh, to wait, to stay awake. And this week, we're invited to enter into that very same declaration that John had, that is prepare a way for he is coming back. The one who is, is coming You've seen what the church does, but the church is uh, just a glimmer of this Christ who is coming back. Come, be part of uh, Christ's body today, but then also look forward with hope to when things will be made right. This is the tension of the church. This is why uh, we can come together in grief and then celebrate together in joy, because we recognize that Christ has come, and Christ will come again. The church has said it is worth, worth looking back for the longings of Israel to be our longings, Uh, I was updating our congregational care list last night. Um, There is so much going on in our congregation that literally I cannot keep it straight without getting it onto a list, and even there I'm sure we are missing some things. Um, There are folks showing up this morning with bandages I knew nothing about. There are folks who had literal transplants this week or uh, replacements this week I didn't know anything about. Uh, And I can look section by section right now and know that there are things that are on your hearts that are making you deeply worried. There are people that you love and have lost. There are uh, homes you are leaving behind. There are jobs uh, that are no longer there. There are family members you are deeply worried about. And it stinks. I know many of you right now hope I'm going to be that pastor who has a witty Bible store, uh, Christian bookstore phrase that's going to turn that all around. It stinks, and God knew how much it stinks, and so He took on flesh and experienced every bit of the pain of our humanity. We often talk about Jesus' love for Peter, James, and John. Uh, we often fail to talk about his love for Mary and Martha and Lazarus. We fail to, fail to pay attention to the way that he knew the depths of pain of friendship. He knew what it was to lose one of your best friends. He knew what it was uh, to have uh, this wrestling with how to be in relationship with each other. And then ultimately, he knew what it was like to be completely betrayed by those who were supposed to love him. The author of Hebrews uh, offers us a little bit of salve in the midst of the season where, uh, where there is so much suffering and there is so much that is hurting and there is so much that is uh, worthy of lamentation and it's that Christ himself took on our sins. He lived our life and now intercedes for us. But it's Advent, right? We can look back with Thanksgiving that he did these things while looking forward with hope. We often skip to uh, Easter, well, we skip beyond Easter. We skip to uh, the end of the story and we look with hope for cloudy heaven, uh, ignoring all that's in between. Then we just bottle down this stuff in our lives and pretend like it's not there. And we go, well, I can't come to church because I'm too sad. I can't come to church because I'm going to start crying in the middle of uh, this joy-filled whatever. Hogwash. Show up and sob in your seat for the Christ who died is risen and will come again i know i told you last week that the christian bookstores are the one who sold us on these candles they're on to something hope and joy and peace we have to have these even as we reflect on sin death and judgment for we know that sin is in our midst. We literally don't have to look far to see that death uh, is around every corner, and uh, quite frankly, we, we, you don't have to look past the first page of Google News to know that there needs to be some judgment, and yet there's got to be something bigger, and it's the one who took on flesh for us, the one who John declared was the very God who saves, the one who is the Messiah of Israel's hope, the one who is the very Son of God, the Lord and Savior of our church the one whose spirit fills us on those days that are hard, the one who uh, allows us to bear each other's arms up when we can't uh, lift them ourselves, the very God who loves you. Friends, I'm not going to ask you to uh, push down the hard. Instead, I'm going to invite you to look to the one in whom we hope and then to look around for those who can be with you in your hope. Who can sustain you on the hard days and who can tell you that even though it feels like it's not going to be all right, they're with you. The ones who won't offer you platitudes but will say, I love you and I'm here with you. May we be that church in the season of Advent and may we be that church throughout our days. Amen? Let's pray. God of Israel's hope Yahweh Adonai Elohim Elohenu Rachamim King of the universe Creator of all things God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob of Sarah of Ruth and of Esther. Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Lord and Savior, Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, God of all things. We thank you for these stories that bear witness to when hope dawned on the world, a world that felt hopeless, hopeless, a world that thought you had given up on them. Lord, may that story drive us to look for uh, where hope is dawning on the world today. And may it look, help us look forward uh, to that time when all things are made right. Lord, through your spirit, would you uh, teach us to be your church well? Uh, To bear up one another and to bear with one another. Uh, To stand uh, side by side when it feels like we can't stand. Lord, we know that it is impossible outside of your grace, so would you lavish us with your sanctifying grace in ways that we might grow in love of you and love of our neighbor, and that in and through us the world might see your face. Lord, show us where hope is dawning. Amen. Amen.